Welcome to Conversations About Care, a podcast for pediatric clinical providers. So I'm very excited to welcome everyone to this podcast. This podcast highlights patient panel from the 2022 Section on Obesity Conference. And I think you'll find it just wonderful to hear from the three patients and their providers uh, as they discuss their experience with obesity treatment. You'll hear in this episode how important the patient-provider relationship is. You'll hear them talk about what makes a good relationship, what things meant a lot to them in terms of their interaction with their pediatric care providers. They'll give you some tips on what makes a good conversation and interaction. Uh, It's important because we know that treatment is safe and effective and provider support for this treatment is so important in guiding patients and their families through this process. And this episode really demonstrates how meaningful treatment can be and how it can impact uh, our patients' quality of life. So I hope you'll enjoy it as much as I did. Thank you for listening. We're going to begin today's session with a new presentation. So we're going to have a patient panel, and we are so grateful for all the patients who are participating today to share their story. Joining the patients are going to be the three physicians, Drs. Armstrong, Fox, and Michalski. Dr. Sarah Armstrong is the current chair of the SUB and is a professor of pediatrics and population health sciences at Duke University. Dr. Claudia Fox is a current executive committee member of the SUB, an associate professor in the Department of Pediatrics and co-director of the Center of Pediatric Obesity Medicine at the University of Minnesota Medical School. And Dr. Mark Michowski is a professor of clinical surgery and pediatrics at the Ohio State University College of Medicine and Surgical Director, Center for Healthy Weight Management and Nutrition at Nationwide Children's Hospital. Thank you all for joining today and let's get started. Good morning, everybody. I would have the I would like to have the pleasure of introducing one of the patients on the panel today. Um, today, I'm going to be introducing Faith, who I've now known for almost a decade. Um, we have a unique and very cherished relationship of her being a former patient, then a mentee, and now colleague. Faith is a second-year doctoral student at the University of Florida. She's the founder and co-director of Oceans, which is a support group for youth living with obesity. And Faith has always inspired me with her gift of articulating her own lived experience, but also in using her experiences to make life better for others. So Faith, welcome. We're glad to have you. Good morning, everyone. I have the distinct honor and and really humble privilege of introducing uh, one of my patients, Trinity. I've known Trinity since she was 14, um, which is hard to believe that the time flies. She's now 19. um, And we're excited to hear hear what she has to say to help us all do our jobs better. Good morning, everybody. I'm Mark Mikalski here at Nationwide Children's Hospital. I have the pleasure of introducing my patient, Ashlyn. Uh, Ashlyn is a 17-year-old who had uh, bariatric surgery I think about 15 months ago, and uh, she lives here uh, not far from uh, Nationwide in Central Ohio. She uh, comes from a great supportive family in a community here of uh, Central Ohio and Columbus, and I'm looking forward to hearing her uh, experience 
in terms of what it's been like for her to uh, be a bariatric surgery patient at her age and um, can't wait for her to share that with everybody. Thank you all. Amazing introductions. Let's start off with um, a general question and then we can go in that same order as far as answering or we can, if, if you guys decide you want to switch it up later, just let me know. So what experiences have you had with the medical providers that were positive or negative and what made them positive or negative? So does Faith want, Faith, you ready to start? This is what I was, I couldn't remember if I was first. <laughs> um, yeah, so this is an interesting question, mainly because all of my negative experiences, um, I think I've kind of blocked out. So my mom fills in the blanks where I have kind of blocked things out. Um, but my mom knew from a really early age um, that I was going to have issues managing my weight. Um, and she had negative experiences when she brought that up to providers. And one memory that she recalls really vividly is um, she took me to the pediatrician, mentioned my weight as a concern, and they said, just don't feed her cookies for dinner. Um, and my mom was a younger mom and she took her responsibility as a mother very seriously. So she was reading a lot of literature, trying to take care of me the best that she could. So knowing what I know now, I feel really saddened by the fact that she had those concerns, spoke to a medical professional and was met with that response. In terms of positive experiences, those are the only ones that I can remember. So um, once my care kind of shifted to Duke and I started my journey to have bariatric surgery, I just remember feeling nothing but compassion and like I was heard and it felt like a very collaborative relationship. So I think those were the two differences between what my mom experienced and what I remember experiencing is that it really felt like I was collaborating with my physicians um, and we were both working towards bettering my health together rather than kind of a hierarchical relationship. Thank you. That's wonderful. I know Dr. Armstrong, we talk a lot about the importance of that collaborative relationship. So that was great to mention. Trinity, do you want to add in your thoughts? I honestly can say that um, since I was younger, I've had nothing but a support system when it comes to my doctors and my therapists, all, everything. Since I was young, I've always had the support system from my doctors and I feel like they gave me the confidence to make me want to continue heading down that path to getting fit getting better managing my weight I have nothing but positive things to say since the beginning since I was younger nothing but positive things well, that that's wonderful can I just press a, a little bit you know we talked about Trinity yesterday about some of the um, what was positive about your care? Can you describe some of that? I feel it was the confidence that the, do the doctors had in me. The more confident they were in me, the more I got confident and the more I wanted to push and keep going, not give up because they had faith in me. Knowing that somebody else has faith in you really gives you that extra push to have faith in yourself to actually reach the goal you're trying to get to. That's amazing. It is true, right? How we, we always say that bad, bad feelings are contagious, but those good ones are really contagious too, right? And so to remember mm -hmm. that important piece of all of it. And Ashlyn? I can honestly still, you know, say the same. Like most of my experiences have been pretty, pretty good. I really don't have many negative experiences to recall on, but as Trinity said, like the confidence that the doctors had in me to, you know, reach my goals and do, do what I need to do as far as, you know, you know, the goals that I have for myself towards weight loss um, and managing my weight was, like you said, pretty, pretty contagious. So it helps in the process. 
and it's uh, much appreciated by the patients. It's, it's great. That's great. Thank you. Anything that you think that um, providers should know about carrying extra weight that they may not know? I feel like this is a difficult answer because I think living with obesity, especially as a pediatric age patient is something that it's really hard to know about unless you've lived it. And that is kind of what pursued me to even go get a doctorate degree or work in this space is that I knew that that lived experience and working with people um, and having that empathy towards that experience was a unique skill that I had that I could share. Um, but I would say the biggest thing that people can do who haven't experienced excess weight is just to listen. Um, and that's what my providers have also always done really well is just hearing and empathizing um, with experiences, even if they haven't themselves experienced that. So I think that familiarizing yourself with patient stories and their whole experience um, is the best thing that providers can do to kind of, you know, be empathetic with that experience. Mm -hmm. And have you had any friends who've been stigmatized? I mean, you started this support group, so you must have some ideas. Uh, no other kids who are there women, young women now or men who may have been stigmatized from their healthcare provider. Yeah, I think that one thing that I've noticed from feedback that I received from our participants in Oceans is that they don't directly state it, but one thing that they feel like they need to do is be really well-researched um, in their treatment option that they want. So instead of, I guess, approaching their providers with ideas and talking that through, they feel the need to research and kind of go in with their knowledge and back up their decisions. Um, and I think that's coming from previous situations where maybe they weren't heard or maybe their idea for where their treatment should be going wasn't necessarily recognized. So I think that from my experience that they felt a lot of pressure to be really well-prepared, really well-researched so that there's no question whether or not they're ready or that they should take these steps, et cetera. So that's just been my experience with our um, pool of participants. Right. And Trinity, what do you think medical providers should know or don't know? I think medical providers should know that sometimes people carrying extra weight, their confidence is not, some people's confidence is not always the highest or always the best. So I think being patient with your patient is always best. So you both have an understanding and y'all both know what's going on and having understanding is always best. It gets you a long way. Mm -hmm. And knowing that your, your um, doctor is on your side at all times is gonna get you a long way. So as long as the doctor is being patient with their patient, I think that they're, you will get along, you'll get very far. That's great. Do you know other kids who've been stigmatized because of weight or other, had other issues with their doctors that maybe weren't as understanding? Um, honestly, no. I mean, they might've, but I've never talked about it with them, never mm -hmm. had a conversation with them about it. Right. Some people are not always open about things they go through with their doctors or their doctor's appointments. Mm -hmm. so I, I couldn't say. Yeah. That's great. And Ashlyn, what do you think would be great for medical providers to know? Well, um, on like my hand, like before I got to Nationwide um, and started going through the whole like bariatric process, there was like a lot of, of providers that I had that were, they were saying like some things that I had like under underlying issues. They would see that as like a thing that I was, if I was big, like if I was like bigger, then it was like causing these things. 
oh yeah, you're you like you're a big you're a bit heavier. So it's like causing these underlying issues. Mm-hmm. Um, instead of trying to look at it the other way around and be like, well, these issues um, in and within itself could be causing you know the weight gain and you not being able to manage your weight. Like my mother, she suspected um, that I had like underlying like PCOS, but a lot of the providers that she like expressed this concern to was like, they weren't like willing to like listen to that. And they were like, well, maybe, you know, maybe if we just make her like exercise more, you know, do all these other things. And it's like, well, if you have these issues um, and anybody that knows that um, has a struggle with PCOS knows that that is very hard to ask. So, um, yeah that but that that's like really the only negative thing that I have like that it would be it would be more more good to like yeah kind of like Trinity said like be patient with your patient Mm -hmm. uh, and like maybe try looking at like other issues that your patient kind of has and maybe not contributing that to weight and maybe Mm -hmm. um like hearing that patient out yeah. Can um, I chime in on that as well? Oh, this is or, my mom. This is my mom. Of course. <laughs> yeah. Yes. Um, like Nationwide Children, they were like absolutely wonderful in trying to figure out what the underlying issue was that would cause her weight gain instead of like saying, okay, you're overweight. That's why you're having these issues or you're overweight. That's why you're having this problem or you're overweight. That's why you're having that problem. Instead of saying, well, maybe this issue that you're having is causing you to gain weight. Like most people think that just because you do have extra weight on you that you're not healthy and you can be healthy and be a little heavy. Everybody's not in this, you know, hourglass Mm -hmm. figure, you know, straight up and down. But I was just grateful for Nationwide Children's for them to understand that, okay, let's look at this avenue. Let's look at that avenue. Let's rule this out. Let's rule that out. And then we can see what, what what's causing this and what's causing that and what the problems can be to get you on the right path. Right. So, So you're saying like, look at the whole picture. Exactly. Well, and since you're still on, let me ask you another question. So someone was saying, what are those, what words do you think that your the doctors use that really made you feel more comfortable talking about weight and weight issues when she was younger at Nationwide or even earlier, like if you had positive experiences with doctors? Really and truly until I started going to Nationwide Children and I started expressing my feelings, like um, we're from the South. And so, you know, everything's deep fried in the South. So they just think that like, we're just eat around here eating deep fried ice cream and Oreos and fried chicken and things like that. But she would like literally struggle and yo-yo between the same 10 pounds and would be discouraged a lot because she would have other underlying issues that would cause like with PCOS, you know, it caused uh, insulin resistance and, and things like that, which would make it harder for her to try to lose weight and keep it off and keep on the right path. And it's kind of discouraging. So sometimes people need that extra push, not necessarily saying that it's a bad thing, but a whole lot of people stigmatize, you know, people being on the heavier side is you're just stuffing yourself to death. And it's not necessarily that issue all the time. Right. And I think that's what Faith was talking about earlier was like what her mother experienced. And I certainly hear that from lots of parents that, you know, they feel like there's all these eyes watching that they're not being good parents. So you're, you're reiterating an important point. Um, so let's, Faith, let me ask you, so then the next sort of question here, will you describe your journey carrying extra weight? What was helpful? What was not? Did you have surgery? Did you not? What sort of, 
what, what were your decision points and why did you make them? So like I mentioned earlier, my mom knew from very early on that my weight was going to be something that I struggled with. And she took a lot of time and attention to researching, you know, because she wasn't receiving very helpful information from providers. She went to the internet, how reliable those resources are. I, I don't remember, but she would send me to school with pre-made snacks that had less added sugars and things like that. I went to sleepovers with my friends with my own kind of snacks. Um, I remember even at birthday parties, looking back to my mom for permission to go for cupcakes or something, um, which a lot of kids don't think twice about, but I never knew what diet I was on or what we were doing to kind of manage that issue. Both of my parents actually had bariatric surgery at different points during my childhood. Um, and I also had an aunt and an uncle who also underwent surgery. So at Thanksgiving and Christmas and other holidays, I was very familiar with that with what that lifestyle looked like. And when I was 15 or so, my mom sat me down and said, we found um, Duke who will start working with you on this if you want. If you don't want to pursue this, that's 100% your decision. Um, and that was the decision point where I started the bariatric process. So at 16, I underwent um, gastric bypass surgery, which I think was a turning point, honestly, for my entire life. Um, that is one thing that I hope pediatricians take away from this is that obesity treatment is something that can be so revolutionary to a child's life. Um, and I think about the trajectory that I was on and the tra trajectory that I'm on now um, and how it took a very small group of providers who believed in me as other patients have mentioned, um, but it took them believing in me and them providing access to that very important treatment to change the whole trajectory of my entire life. Um, so that's one thing that I hope pediatricians take away is you have a very special um, gift that you can be providing these kids in terms of treatment. And I don't know where I would be today if I hadn't had it, um, but I might have a whole different career. I might have an entirely different life. I would have had a whole different college experience. Um, so for me, my surgery and choosing the appropriate uh, treatment for my OBC was revolutionary. And I am just so thankful for the group of providers that I got to work with that I had that opportunity to, because I know that that opportunity is not afforded to adolescents um, widely. So excellent. And I think that that's a great point, because I do think as pediatricians, sometimes as a group struggle a little bit with offering some of these things that feel extreme, but like you're saying, you need extreme to really change your life in the direction that you're, you're, you're wanting to make it go. Trinity? Um, when I was, I first was introduced to the pediatric clinic when I was 14 years old, I believe. Um, at that age, um, I worked, I was there until I was at least 16 years old. And at 16, I just really, I was, I feel like mentally I wasn't ready. I wasn't prepared. I wasn't, my mind wasn't set on, I have a goal to reach. I want this surgery. I'm going to do this to get this surgery. I wasn't ready. So I left, I dropped out of the program. Um, years went by, I turned 18 years old. And um, it's just, I always struggled with my weight since I was younger. Um, elementary, middle school, high school, I struggled. My confidence level was always low. I didn't, I didn't socialize much. I didn't get out much because of my confidence. I didn't, I wasn't the social butterfly. And I turned 18, I just decided I want to try again. I want to try this again. I know where my head is at. I'm set. I want this. I have a goal to reach and I, I'm, I want to do that. And um, I reached out. I emailed um, Dr. Fox. I think it was Dr. Fox. And 
I just wanted another chance and they gave me another chance and I went through with it. I went through my um my my months. I lost the weight and was able to get the surgery and I feel like it was the best decision I made. The best decision I made. Um, I feel like my confidence level was up. I'm more of a social butterfly. I go out more. I socialize more. I, I just it was. I feel like it was the best decision I've I've made. I feel more confident. I've, yeah, it was the best decision I made. Yeah. Well, that seems to be a theme, and you're really bringing up such a good point that you have to be ready, right? Because it's be mentally prepared. Mm-hmm. It's a lot. You have to be mentally ready because it's a big step. It's like it's a lot afterwards. It's a lot. You have to. Right. You have to stay on. It's a lot. (laughs) And, you know, and that's true of all the different parts where there are things that Dr. Fox or the program said or did that made you feel like it was okay to come back, like keeping the door open, keep keeping that relationship strong. I think it was the support system I had from all uh, three from my physical therapist to my dietitian to doctor. It was all three. They they believed in me. They pushed me. They pushed me and pushed me. I just feel like I had a great support system, including my mother. She was there for me every part, even since I was 14 years old when I first started. She, when I was turned 18, she thought it was a good idea that I reached out. She told me, I think you should reach out. And I thought I should too. And I just, it, it was, it's, it's about support. You got to have that to support. That's it wonderful. Really takes you a long way. Yeah. Dr. Machowski, did you want to say something? Yeah, I think that uh, just to drill down for a second, this is such an important issue that Trinity is bringing up that I, I think uh, for everybody in the audience, in, in including you know, uh, folks that wind up talking to uh, potential future patients, you know, the concept of um, the revolving door and coming in and engaging and disengaging as is appropriate is very important. We don't ever discharge anybody from the clinic because they're not getting it. They're not ready. They don't seem committed. I mean, I think that this point is probably is worthy of a lot more discussion than we tend to give it. In our center, you know, we try to uh, make it quite evident for uh, patients that, you know, if you need to step back, that's not a failure. It's nothing to be ashamed about. It doesn't uh, come with any negative consequence, you know, related to the possibility of coming back. So I think that that's really important. And I would also say it can be vice versa as well, meaning that you know, occasionally the team may feel that a patient is not ready and ask the patient to step back and take a break. So I think it's a very, very important issue. And I also, you know, as a last comment about it, this is one of the things um, that really differentiates pediatric or adolescent bariatric surgical care from uh, the adult counterpart. You know, in the adult world, patients very often spend a much more truncated time with the adult bariatric surgery team from the time they enter a program to the time they actually, you know, uh, undergo an operation. It's, it's much more stretched out uh, and elongated in the pediatric world, and, and I think appropriately so. So these are really, really important issues. Yeah. And I think that the whole point of the coming and going is also true for primary care. Because there's periods of time where patients are ready and not ready. So the right. the idea is the same, right? As far as, you know, keeping the door open for when people are ready. Ashlyn, would you like to jump in? Oh, yeah. Yeah, I can, I can say a couple words. Um, I think that, you know, most of the time we, we like have a goal in mind. Because I was, I've been personally, I'm 17. I've been 
going through the the bariatric process since I was 13 and from when I was younger it was it was a real real struggle real fight because because first of all I was growing and and growing and I had all these issues and wasn't losing any weight and it was it was rough but I think that the most of the most of the providers that I um, have come across have been um, like very very positive in the way that they like come about like if um, if the patient wants a surgery and if like surgery is a thing that that they will they will you know go tooth and nail to make sure that you that if that's what you want to do then you know we'll go hard at it and we'll you know we'll make sure that that is a, a thing that we get handled. But um, I do remember that there um, being a time where like, I had like, the, I thought that I wasn't going to get the surgery because of like insurance, insurance reasons, because they, the, like I was like really close to surgery. And then like, as soon as I was about to like get a date for surgery, the insurance was like, nope. Yeah, yeah, psych, you're not gonna get the surgery. Um, it's uh it's not gonna happen and then we have to go through a long long hefty process to over of repeals and appeals and repeals and um you know thank god for um one of my uh practitioners uh dr anelli um she you know had to fight tooth and nail with insurance companies and write letter after letter after letter um, to them to make sure that, you know, to basically say, hey, this is, this is, they've been working hard because we literally got to the very end. Like we did everything, everything that I needed to do in order to be like approved for surgery. I did. And then at the very end, it was like, wow, like I can't even, I did all this work, can't even get the surgery. Mm -hmm. um, but at that very point, it was very discouraging. But I think I think personally, if I would have gotten the surgery when I was like originally supposed to, I wouldn't have been ready. Um, so I, I'm kind of glad that it happened um, the way it happened because I feel like when I, when I did end up having the surgery um, about 15 months ago, I was very ready. I was I was mentally in it to win it, um, and I was I was I was very much looking forward to it. So, you know, I'm kind of happy it, it happened the way it happened. Right. And let me ask you one question, and then I'm going to have Dr. Armstrong step in. When people brought up bariatric surgery to you, was there a way that they said it in a way that you could hear better, or was it something that you were initially resistant to, or could they have said um, it in a different way? My, um, I, I, I originally was introduced to the idea of bariatric surgery by my mom, actually, um, because she had saw the issues and all the underlying issues that I had, and um, like, you know, Faith mentioned, you know, she, you know, was doing like research and what would help me best. And she ended up, you know, uh, finding out things about, you know, bariatric surgery. And she found that they can do it on, you know, adolescents. And she was like, well, if this is a thing that you're interested in, then we can get that done. And we, it'll help with all of your, it would help with most of all of your issues um, and we can start talking to doctors about it and, you know, it's really much, pretty much whatever you want to do. And she's right here. I mean, I guess if you want to say something about it. Quit putting me on the spot. 
come on, come on. <laughs> That's, but, yeah. But she, yeah, she's great. But um, I wasn't, I wasn't resistant to the idea because I already knew all the issues that I had going on. And I knew that if that would, I was like thinking if that would be the best option for me, then I am okay with that. Yeah. Right. Okay. Dr. Armstrong, did you want to jump in? I do, but I had seen that Faith had her hand up. So let me let her answer, oh, okay. her comment in first, and then I can reframe a couple yes. questions in the queue. Faith, sorry, I missed that. No, that's okay. I was just going to add about this idea of disengaging from um, treatment and leaving that door open. This goes back to an earlier question about what it's like to live with excess weight. I think it's important for providers to know how exhausting it can be to engage in weight management treatments. When you are thinking about everything that you are putting in your mouth and you are thinking about all the ways that you're going to participate in physical activity, in addition to navigating school drama and all the things that come along with being an adolescent and working through your high school academics and all of those things. Um, so I just wanted to note that it can be cognitively exhausting to have to put the amount of time and effort it goes into managing weight. Um, and that brings to Trinity's point that you really have to be ready for bariatric surgery because it's not one of those things that takes it off of your mind. It's one of those things that puts even more onto your mind. Um, so I just wanted to add that in terms of disengaging from treatment is just remembering what it's like or thinking about what it's like to have to make all of those little decisions throughout the day um, that contribute to your health. So I just wanted to add that. That's a fantastic point because I do think that there's still that stigma out there too, that surgery is an easy way out which all of us know is not true, but it's, um, that's a great way to frame it. I think that that'll hit home for a lot of people. Sarah? Yeah, thank you so much, um, all three of you guys for sharing those stories. There's a lot of comments coming in, just expressing gratitude to you for being so honest and authentic with your experiences. You, you know, just to reframe a couple of the questions to put back to you guys, you know, if you put yourself in the position of, of PCP, your pediatrician, right? Um, I think a lot of pediatricians want to talk about weight in the right way with their patients, but they're a little bit afraid. They don't want to offend anybody, especially given sort of the, you know, health at every size movement. They don't want to make assumptions about people um, for the most part, you know, and also I think a little afraid of not wanting to cause disordered eating patterns, worried about, you know, if we talk about this, are we going to cause new problems that don't exist and bringing up surgery? I mean, it's, you know, I think for, for a pediatrician hearing you guys, certainly no one who's devoted their life to caring for children wants to, you know, not provide an opportunity that all three of you have described as really life-changing. But how do you bring that up in the conversation in the office? So I'm wondering if you guys have advice for the pediatricians on this call about how to broach this topic of weight in a way that is going to be, you know, non-stigmatizing, non-judgmental, and and even bridge that topic of surgery that's in a way that they feel is not going to terrify parents <laughs> and kids when they, when they bring it up. So we would love your advice. One of, piece of advice I have for this is that it varies according to patient, which I know is not the easiest answer to the question. Um, but I hear a lot of people dislike the term obesity. For me, that was really freeing to know my excess weight was not just a product of my failure, but was an actual disease. So for me, hearing obesity and learning about it as a disease state was revolutionary because it was like, okay, my physical activity, my healthy eating, my bariatric surgery, those are all things I'm doing to manage a condition that is chronic 
and will be something that I continue to deal with for the rest of my life. Um, so for me, that worked really well in reframing my mindset more positively to see all of my health behaviors as ways that I was managing this medical condition. But I also know a lot of people who really dislike and feel strongly against that word. So I think when you're bringing up options, just recognizing that I think most patients will recognize or have experienced stigmatizing experiences related to their weight. So they're probably aware that they're carrying excess weight. Um, it's just, I think the framing of the conversation when you talk about opportunities and treatments that is particularly important. So that would be my piece of advice. That's great. Trinity? I agree with Faith. Knowing that obesity is not just something that you have, it's, it's I disagree with Faith. <laughs> I agree with how you come at a patient as if this is something that we can help you with in a helping manner. Don't just come like, we can't do nothing for you. You're obese, but come as if like we have options. We have ways to help you. We have options. We have things we can do to help you control obesity. Exactly. So this is something that you can manage, right? Because you talked a little bit also about that positivity and confidence, Mm -hmm. right? And so by, by offering sort of different, different tools and and technologies, Mm -hmm. did you try any medications? If you want to share that, that helped or didn't, and how was that? Um, I tried, I tried medications and I feel like they helped a lot. It helped a lot with my um, intake on food. It, it really slowed me down a lot. And I really think that it helped me get to my goal, my weight loss goal to be able to get the actual weight loss surgery. It helps, it helps me a lot. Right. That's great. Cause you actually have the experience of doing both Yeah. and you use medicines for a while and then decided on a different path when, when you were ready. And I think yeah. that that's an important thing to, to realize that you were young when you came in. So maybe yeah using some medicines to help sort of stabilize, keep the weight, get some off, and then decide what's the next treatment option. Because they said it's exhausting. It is. Yeah. It's a lot to keep up with. It's a lot to, you really have to focus. You have to have your mind set on this. Because anytime you could fall off, anytime you could slip up, but it's, it's really your mental state. You have to be mentally prepared. Right. And Ashlyn? I personally agree with everything that's been said surgery is is a is a tough thing um and it's not a, an easy an easy thing and um i think that most most if you go about it going back to the question if you go about it in a way that like faith said if you just leave the options on the table like this is an option that you have um then i think it shouldn't be too frightening um, but then again, I say kind of leave it up to the parent, I guess, because it, it kind of just depends um, on the patient, I guess, and how, you know, um, like their the patient's mental state, how the patient, um, like if the patient like suddenly just just decides, hey, like this is this is something that I want, that option is on the table. Um, and it's something that can be dealt with, you know, but um other than that, yeah, I agree with everything with everything that's been said. And do you feel like Faith was saying that it would it would th- these are just the ways like you feel like this is something I use to manage a chronic condition. You feel like that makes sense to you and yeah, yeah, life, yeah, yeah. Um, I mean, 
obesity is 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 no joke. Um, from dealing with um, all the the stigmas and like the confidence level, having your confidence being low and your self esteem, um, you know, not genuinely just like not feeling good about yourself. And then like sometimes you come to the doctor and it doesn't help because they're like, well, you know, you have all these problems and you're like, well. I, I, I know that I get that I can look at myself and see that but it's it, yeah it's just it's, it's kind of all about you know the patient I guess and what the patient wants which is probably not helpful for the question <laughs> but it, it's it, it's it's an answer that um that that probably can help I guess yeah no I think it's very helpful actually <laughs> like it it's that whole idea right that and there are options and and um we need to know the whole big picture. Dr. Michalski, did you want to jump in? I think you had your hand up earlier. Yeah, thanks. Um, I just wanted to go back to uh, uh, or make a comment earlier based on something that Ashlyn said that I think is very important. And it's the issue of access to care and advocacy. We haven't really spent uh, any time talking about that. But again, uh, a topic that really deserves a lot of attention. Um, what Ashlyn described uh, actually is uh, not uncommon. And many of our patients are faced with the challenges of the healthcare community uh, as a whole, and in particular, the insurance industry as a whole, with regards to um, a system that is uh, set up to create obstacles for these types of patients to get the access to the care that they need. And so, you know, this has been studied. Uh, there's actually evidence that uh, the most common reason for insurance authorization denial is age less than 18. And of course, this is you know, um, uh, you know, really, really um, unfortunate and, and, you know, kicks off a number of different issues. What I will say um, is I do think that there is a role for um, institutional and provider responsibility here as well. This is not just a bigger picture, an abstract concept. We all are, should consider ourselves empowered to help um, provide this kind of access. And Ashlyn, you know, obviously uh, uh, mentioned um, uh, uh, Dr. Anelli here in our center who really went to the mat for her. And in fact, um, uh, what Ashlyn didn't mention was that, you know, after a lot of arm wrestling with uh, her insurance provider, Nationwide actually underwrote her operation, um, which we're very, we were very fortunate enough to have the ability to do that. But again, that's institutional responsibility. And the way I think about this is, um, you know, suffering from obesity is as critical and important as suffering from many other types of disease entities. And we wouldn't just turn a patient away, um, even though the insurance industry um, um, in its misguided way um, seems to have no problem doing that. That's changing. We're working very hard to try and um, lobby our, you know, our um, colleagues in the industry, uh, uh, medical providers, the American Academy of Pediatrics has uh, been very uh, helpful and upfront about that. I would encourage everybody to look at the uh, 2019 policy statement uh, in pediatrics that was published on um, the parameters and use of and support of bariatric surgery. Um, and maybe we can put that up in the chat uh, as, a, as a site uh, for everyone to, uh, to uh, use as a reference point. Thank you. And I think we're going to wrap it up, but I just wanted to see if Dr. Armstrong or Dr. Fox had any last minute comments they wanted to make. Well, I will just um, start by, by thanking um, our three panelists. Um, you know, just so you hear, we've gotten multiple messages while you're talking saying this should be mandatory viewing. 
um, for all pediatricians. I think your words are so powerful. Thank you for being honest and sharing your experiences and giving us all a little bit of courage, I think, to have these open and honest discussions um, using our relationships, um, doctor-patient relationships to help open doors for you in this obesity is no joke. I love that. Um, you know, uh, Ashlyn, that's, that's very true. So we can help open doors for you and not be too worried about offending that we keep those doors closed. So thank you so much for sharing your experiences. And Claudia? I'll um, echo what Sarah said. Thank you all, uh, the three of you, for your for your bravery, for coming here and putting yourself um, sort of on stage and telling us your story. Your words are powerful. Um, they will change how providers um, help their patients. It, it really does matter. We appreciate it uh, so much. Um, and keep keep up the good work. Keep keep um, keep spreading the word. It 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 matters. Yes. Thank you. And and I will. It's going to be hard to top those things. But yes, please know that the comments here are just so thankful and appreciative. And I think you know a lot of what everyone was saying today was thank you for giving us and reminding us the reasons to have these conversations because. You're, you're dealing with the issue and our discomfort doesn't mean, means that we actually need to offer it more. So thank you for continuing to remind us of how important that is for sharing your stories, for, for putting everything out there and just giving us that additional inspiration we need to continue to do our jobs and, and be the best healthcare providers we can for you all. So thank you. I hope you found these patient stories inspiring. I certainly did. And as a reminder, there are many resources to support your capacity building and CPG implementation efforts, which you can find on our website, www.aap.org backslash obesity CPG. Thank you again for listening. resources or opinions expressed during the Conversations About Care podcast series are solely those of the individuals and do not necessarily represent those of the American Academy of Pediatrics. The topics included in these podcasts do not indicate an exclusive course of treatment or serve as a standard of medical care. Variations taking into account individual circumstances may be appropriate. The primary purpose of this podcast is to explore common themes related to quality pediatric care from the perspective of clinicians. This podcast series does not constitute medical or other professional advice or services. This podcast is available for private, non-commercial use only. Advertising, which is incorporated into, placed in association with, or targeted toward the content of this podcast without the expressed approval and knowledge of the American Academy of Pediatrics podcast developers is forbidden. You may not edit, modify, or redistribute this podcast.